We're going to continue to worship the Lord with our gifts and tithes and offerings. And actually, right now, as we speak, at actually in eight minutes, Radiant Church downtown Tampa is launching. Why aren't we there, right? No. <laughs> and uh, they're actually not. Uh, it's so funny because I met them through Radiant Printing, is the graphics people that we use, which is no relation to us either. They just happen to be a church that recognizes a great name when they see one. And so uh, they're a part of the ARC family that we belong to, and part of what we're giving to every month is supporting more church plants through ARC. So uh, thank you so much for allowing us to be generous and, and see God move and do new things all across this nation. And Father, this morning as we give back to you, we pray for Radiant Church downtown Tampa, God, that this would be a day when lives are forever changed, God, that you would establish this church, God, that it would speak life, that it would speak hope and healing to the community that's around it. Father, we pray that you would pour out provision on them, that you'd give vision to the leaders of that church, and Jesus, that to every person in that city uh, that is seeking after you, Father, we pray that they would find you through the work that is being done there. In the name of Jesus, we pray, amen. And if you're new here today, thank you so much for being our guest. We recognize there's a lot of things you could have done, like going to downtown Tampa to Radiant Church, but you chose to be here in the frozen north with us, and we're so grateful for that. And you might have received a communication card when you came in. If not, you can grab one at the information table. We'd love to have you fill one out and turn it in, and you'll get a free Radiant t-shirt as a gift and a way of saying thank you for being here with us. And then also, I'll shoot you an email this week welcoming you to the church and seeing if there's anything that we can do for you. Uh, if you have your Bibles with you, turn to Luke chapter 2 and Psalm chapter 27. And we're continuing in our series called Seek. And the whole idea behind it is found in Hebrews chapter 11, which we looked at last week. And it says, And without faith it is impossible to please God, for whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. So the idea behind this is that there is a life that we can build for ourselves. Every one of us, we're all seekers by nature. Everything we do is because we're seeking something. Uh, the reason that I brushed my teeth this morning was because I was seeking good dental hygiene. I wouldn't brush my teeth if it were not for that. The reason that I eat food is because I'm seeking fulfillment inside of my stomach. The reason that I style my hair is because I'm seeking approval from all of you. But everything that we do is because we are seeking something. It's the motive behind our every action. And so when it comes to the life that we're living, uh, we're seeking after something. We're seeking after the things that we think the world can provide for us. We're trying to build the best life that we can possibly build for ourselves. But what this verse is saying is that there's a better life that we can have. And it's not the life that we can make for ourselves it's the life that God can create for us. It's the life that he's called us to. It's the hope that we have in him. And that life is ours if we believe that he exists. And then number two, if we believe that he rewards those who seek after him. So we're seeking after God. We're doing different things because we want this life that God has to give to us. We believe that there is a reward for us that we receive when we seek after him. And today we're going to talk specifically about seeking God through prayer and fasting. Uh, when I was a kid, I remember uh, there was, we had a pool, and we'd go to the pool in the summer every single day, because that's what kids want to do more than anything. And uh, I had this friend, and she had a magnifying glass. She was much older than me, so she was way cooler than I ever could have been. And she took a magnifying glass, and she would burn these really kind of intricate little designs into walking sticks. 
And so I remember thinking, this is amazing, I want to do this. So she helped me get a walking stick and peeled off all the bark and then got the magnifying glass out and learned to focus the light so that I could burn little etchings into it. And I remember one time I kind of got off the stick and hit my hand a little bit and realized how painful that was. And then I got the idea, I thought, nobody has ever thought of this in the whole history of the world, but if I put this little laser-focused beam of light on an ant, I bet that thing is going to combust. And I thought I was the smartest guy, the most original idea that there'd ever been. So for the next couple years, what I did every single time we went swimming was I just incinerated ants on the pool deck. That was my job, and I loved doing it, and it smelled terrible, and my sisters hated it, but it was a lot of fun for me. Now, what happened was that I was taking a source of power that was already there. It was already existing. I didn't create the sun. I didn't cause it to shine. All I did was take a magnifying glass that then took the power that was already there and it focused it into a single point where it could affect change into the world that was around me. And that's what we're doing with prayer. Not that we're trying to fry people. Uh, Jesus has already addressed that when the disciples tried to call down fire on people, and he's like, no, don't do that. But what we're doing is that we're taking God as power. He's already there. He's already existing. But what we're doing through prayer is we're focusing and calling on God to focus his power and exert it into our situation to affect change. That's what we're doing through prayer. We're calling on God to come and do something that we can't do, to bring his power, to bring his glory and his purpose, to bring his kingdom really into the world that we live in. But you can take a magnifying glass or a lens and you can do something else with that. And that is instead of just frying stuff with it, you can also use it to look into the sky and to see things that you can't see with your naked eye. If you were to go out tonight, you could look and you would see some stars and that would be great. But if you were to get a telescope, you would be able to see a lot more things. Things are already there. Your eye just doesn't have the ability to see them naturally. So you take another lens and you focus on it and you begin to see things that could not be revealed of your own power, of your own ability. And that's another thing that prayer does for us, is it allows us to see into the nature of God. It allows us to see the heart of God. It's great to have God come and to bring his power into our situation to change the world that's around us. But another really important part of prayer is that as we pray, we get to see Jesus. We get to know him more and more. We see more of his attributes, more of his love, his grace, and his mercy. We get to understand more of his heart and his character. We're able to see things about God when we focus through the lens of prayer that we couldn't see with our own natural eyes. And if you really want to see some pretty cool things, what you do is you take your telescope to a place where there's not a lot of other light pollution. Because you're trying to look and you're trying to see a light in the sky and the lights from the world that's around us make it so that they become the light in the sky is dimmed out. So if you want to go really see something, go up to a mountaintop. That's why our observatories are built in uh, desolate, remote places. So there's not a lot of other lights competing with the light they're trying to see. That's why the greatest telescopes are the ones that we launch out into space and they're far away from any light pollution. And this is what fasting does for us. A lot of people think I'm going to fast because I'm going to show God that I'm just really serious about this and he'll see how, how much anguish and suffering I'm going through as I deny myself Twinkies and cookies and surely this will move on his heart. He'll know that I'm really serious about it. But that's not what fasting is about. What fasting does is it silences other voices in our life that are competing with the voice of God. God is always speaking to us. 
He's always trying to get a hold of our hearts. He's always trying to get our attention. But we have so many other, there's voice pollution that we have. Your stomach is speaking and commanding you to do things. Uh, social media, just media in general, there's so many voices that are in there. They're competing. Uh, there's different interests, hobbies, different things like this. There are so many voices that are constantly bombarding us that it makes it really difficult to hear what it is that Jesus is trying to speak to our hearts. So we combine fasting with prayer. We say, God, I'm going to seek after you. I want to magnify your power to change the world that's around me. I want to pray to know you relationally and to know more about your heart, your nature, your character, and to connect with you. But I'm going to fast at the same time because this is going to silence all of the other voices that are around me so that I can more clearly hear you and what it is that you are speaking to me. When you combine prayer and fasting as a way that you're seeking after God, you will see incredible things happen in your life. And one of my favorite examples of this uh, is found in Luke chapter 2. What's happened is Jesus was born, and on the eighth day, they're taking him to the temple to present him there and to offer a sacrifice. Uh, this is what they did for all of the babies. And as they come into this place, uh, nobody it's just another you know, young couple with another eight-year-old baby. There's nothing special about this. There's thousands of people that are there at the temple. But there are two people that recognize that it, this isn't just any baby that's been brought into their midst, that this is the Messiah that is there before them. And it says this about Anna, who was one of the people that recognized Jesus. It says in Luke chapter 2, verses 36 through 38, There was also a prophet, Anna, the daughter of uh, Penuel, of the tribe of Asher. She was very old. I love that they have to record that. She had lived with her husband seven years after her marriage and then was a widow until she was 84. She never left the temple, but worshipped night and day, fasting and praying. Coming up to them, that being Mary and Joseph and Jesus, at that very moment, she gave thanks to God and spoke about the child to all who were looking forward to the redemption of Jerusalem. This woman has been living for decades a life of prayer and of fasting. For decades, she's been seeking God's power to be exerted in this world. She's been connecting with God, looking into his nature, his character, and his heart. And she's been learning to recognize his voice by silencing the other voices that are around her. And because of these practices, because of the way that she's seeking after God, when Jesus comes in, when the Messiah, the Savior of all of the world, enters into the temple, the place where, strangely enough, everybody's going there seeking and looking forward to the Messiah coming, when the Messiah actually comes, only two people recognize that he's there. And it was because she had been seeking God through prayer and fasting. Everybody else missed out on it. Because they hadn't taken the time to seek God the way that she had sought after God. How cool would that be to be one of the two people that recognize when you see this baby with all, in the midst of all the other babies, in the midst of all of the other people, that you've been so finely attuned to the voice of the Father that you're able to recognize his presence there with you. Now what happened for Anna was the result of prayer and fasting. And the same thing can happen in our lives. You can learn to recognize 
the presence of God. You can learn to hear his voice. You can learn to hear and to recognize when he's speaking and when he's moving and doing the things around you if you will commit yourself to be someone that's seeking after God through prayer and through fasting. And we can have an even greater reward than she received. The reward that she had was that she was able to see the Messiah and she was able to tell everybody, look, this is the one we've been waiting for. Don't you guys recognize this? Don't you see what's happening here? The Messiah has come to us in a way that nobody ever expected expected, but he's here. This is him. We're able to have even more than that. Because now when we seek after God, it's not just that we come to the Messiah and we recognize who he is, but now we come to the Messiah and we recognize what he's done. And we recognize what he can do inside of our lives. When we know God, it's not just that we get to recognize him as being apart from us, but the power and the presence of God dwells in the heart of every believer. We don't just get to see God, we get to know him. We get to be led by God, we get to be empowered by God. Our hearts and our lives were changed by God. We're made into the image of God through his work inside of us. This is a God who nothing is impossible for, which means that when he is in you, that nothing that he's called you to will be impossible for you. You can live a life of supernatural blessing. You can live a life of supernatural miracles going on as you walk through the life and supernatural understanding of what's going on around you and and supernatural power of God in your situation. And the key to that and seeing it unlocked inside of us is being a people who believe that God is a rewarder of those who seek after him. And so because we believe there's a reward, now we are going to seek after God through prayer and fasting, knowing that when we do these things, we will find him. And that's the greatest reward. I love every time I pray for someone and I see a marriage reconciled or restored. I love every time we pray for someone and we see miraculous healing occur. I love every time we've been praying for someone for years and they make a decision to follow Jesus. These are all incredible rewards for pursuing Jesus. But the greatest reward that we receive is him, is knowing our Father that was the only reward there was in this, that would be worth it. That's all I need. But the fact that he does all of these other things too, that's incredible. But more than anything else, more than all the blessings, the thing I want most is to know my Father. I want to know Jesus. I want to be led by him. I want to be empowered by him. I want his mind. I want to operate in this world, living up to every call, every purpose, every plan that he has for me and knowing that I'm never on my own, that he's never left me, he's never forsaken me, but daily I'm encountering him and daily I'm hearing him speak of his love for me, his acceptance of me, knowing that I am a child and that I have a father and a family that I'm part of. That's what I need more than anything. And that's the thing that God wants to pour out on every single one of us. It's the life that's possible for us. You don't have to live a life just knowing that there is a God. You can live a life knowing the God. And that starts through prayer and fasting. And prayer is it's something that we all know, hey, I should pray, I probably should pray, I should pray more. But it's hard for us sometimes to figure out how to actually pray. And so what I want to do is I want to give you a simple prayer model for making a practical way that you can pray uh, through these 21 days of prayer and fasting that we're about to enter into, beginning today and ending Super Bowl Sunday, February 5th. 
I'm, you know, I'm a man that wants to call us to, to make sacrifices, but I also know that I'm not going to try to compete with the Super Bowl uh, during a time of prayer and fasting. So we will end on the 5th, but we're going to start today. And this is the model that I want you to use. Maybe you've had trouble praying. If you already have a model you're using for prayer, that's great. Go ahead and run with that. But if you're looking for a way to be able to pray uh, and really spend time with God and encounter him, then I'd encourage you to try this. And the first thing is make an appointment. Uh, we prioritize the things that are important to us. The people that are ripped and they're looking good, uh, they're going to the gym every day. Well, you don't end up at the gym on accident. You never wake up, oh, I'm at the gym, I guess I'll just work out. You end up at the gym because it was a priority for you. You woke up early, you got dressed, you went, you drove to the gym, and then you had to come back and take a shower and then go to work and do everything else. Why? Because it was a priority. They believed there was a reward for what they were doing. If you didn't prioritize it, you would never do it. And it's the same with prayer. Uh, you need to say that this is something that for these next 21 days, no matter what happens, I'm going to pray. And I'm going to seek after Jesus. And the only way that's going to happen is if you pick a time and you pick a place where you're going to pray. I'd encourage you, start with just 30 minutes. And that might sound like, oh my gosh, that's insane. I can't pray for 30 minutes. I can't pray for three minutes. Well, you'll be able to pray for 30 minutes using this model that I'm about to teach you. But find a 30-minute time in your day. I'd encourage you to do it in the morning because if you don't do it in the morning, uh, work will happen, family life will happen, uh, other things are going to happen, and it just won't happen. So make that a sacred time where for this 30 minutes, I'm going to spend this as my time to really seek after Jesus. And if you don't have a good place in your home to do it, go somewhere else. Uh, that's what I do. My kids are at the age now where they are loud. Uh, Eason just plays dinosaurs all day, every day, and he's stomping and roaring and growling. So I need to get out of the house. And I just go to a coffee shop, I throw on my headphones, I listen to some worship music, and I make that my prayer time. And I'm sitting there with my eyes closed, and people, I don't know what they think about me, because I have my eyes closed, I can't tell, and I don't care. But uh, one of my uh, guys that I really love and respect a lot, I got this idea from him. For the last over 20 years, every morning, he goes to McDonald's, gets a terrible cup of coffee, and sits there, and he prays for an hour. And I thought, you can do that at McDonald's? That's not a, a holy place. He's like, I just throw on my headphones, I have my Bible, I have my prayer journal, and I just pray. And I, so I started trying that. And it was amazing how easy it was for me to pray, even in a public place like that, because it just got me out of the normal home environment where there's a million distractions and a million other things going on. So make an appointment, find a place, commit that 30 minutes every day for the next 21 days where you're going to be seeking after God through prayer. Uh, the next part of it is worship. And this is the, such an easy part of it, and maybe a part you haven't thought of. The biggest part of my prayer life is worshiping God. It's thanking Him for all of the incredible things that He's done in my life. And so I start out listening to some worship songs, and it's nice because uh, when we come here, when we have our worship leaders here, what they're doing is they're leading us into worship. There's these songs, and so there's things that we're focusing on together, and we're thanking God for, remembering God for, we're praising Him for. Well, you can just throw on a worship album, and you'll begin to hear the same thing. You will be led in worship, and you'll be able to just thank God right along with the songs for the things they're, the things they're singing about in the song. That's a tongue twister. Uh, and so that's what I do. Sometimes I just make a list. I just start writing things down that I'm thankful for. God, thank you for life. You didn't have to make me, but you did. And you've preserved me. God, thank you for my life. Thank you for salvation. 
That even when I was far from you, even when I was as messed up as anyone ever could be, you still loved me enough that you would die for me and you weren't ashamed of me, but you called me a son. God, thank you for the way you've been changing my heart since the day I decided to follow you. God, thank you for my wife. Thank you for my children. Thank you for my parents. I thank you for my home, for food, for all. I mean, I just start making a list, and I just thank God for all of these things that he's done inside of my life. And I remember the things that I've seen him do. God, thank you for my health. Thank you that you've preserved me these last two years. Jesus, thank you for Radiant Church. God, I had no idea how this was going to happen, but you did it somehow. Thank you for that. And I just remember the things that he's done. And as I'm doing that, two things are occurring. Number one is my love for Jesus is being stirred up as I think about who he is, as I think of his love for me. As I, sometimes I'm not singing out loud in the coffee shops. I don't want to freak people out, but mentally I'm, just, I'm going right along with the song. I'm worshiping Jesus. I'm thanking him. I'm stirring up my love and my affection. And then as I recount the things that he's done in my life, it's also building up faith inside of me. When I look back and see the things that God has done in my life, the things that he's done in my family, the things he's done in this church, it reminds me that nothing's impossible for him. It reminds me that the God who did these great things in the past that I have witnessed myself, he can certainly do the small thing that I'm facing in the future. It builds up faith inside of me. So I'm, number one, I'm relationally connecting with God. I'm stirring up my love and affection for him. And if you're worshiping and it's you're like, hey, I'm honestly not feeling a whole lot of love and affection for Jesus when I do this, well, keep doing it. Over time, you'll build that relationship. You'll develop the relationship and you'll begin to love him more and more. There was a time when I hated worship. I remember going to church and thinking, why do we have to have these fluff songs? Why can't we just get to the word? You know, I just wanted the preaching because that was what was important. I hated the, which is really interesting for a musician that I would hate it. But then I figured out it's not all about me. The more I began to know about God through the teaching, the more I began to realize how much he loved me. And that in turn made me begin to love him. And now I don't even like the fact that I have to get up here and preach. I'd rather just worship for an hour and 15 minutes and then go home. But this is important what we do. And so uh, spend that time, just worship him. Do that for 10, 15 minutes of this half hour. 10, 15 minutes. Just play a couple songs, worship, thank God, and then move into this next part, uh, which is ask. This is a part of where I say, God, I need you to exert your power in my life and in these situations. God, I need your kingdom to come for your will to be done on earth as it is in heaven. And I do what's called ripple prayers. I start out, I have a little journal with things that I'm writing down that I need to pray for. And so I start out, it's like if you throw a rock in a pond and you see ripples start to go out farther from where the rock entered. Well, I treat myself as that rock. That first ripple that I'm praying for, those are the things that are closest to me. So I start out by praying from my own heart. I'm like, God, I need you to change my heart. God, I'm dealing with pride. Or God, help me in this other area of unforgiveness. Or God, I don't love you enough. I need to love you more. Forgive me of this, God, and empower me to do these things. So I'll start out praying for myself. And then the next closest thing to me is I'm praying for my wife and my children. I had things specifically that I'm praying for for every one of them, especially as I'm beginning to see more of the, the personality develop in my children. There's more things I'm recognizing. Oh, Jesus, I need you to move in this area of their life um, because... <laughs> Otherwise, they might be a terrible person someday. They can't hear this, so don't worry. But that's true. That's every one of us, right? Every one of us were born, you know, we were wild. 
And it's thank God and thank our parents that something has been done to teach us how to be civilized people. And so I'm praying over these different things that I'm seeing in the hearts of my children that I need God to move and to work in. I need him to give me wisdom and how to parent them and to teach them to love Jesus and follow after him. Then I'm praying for my friends, the people that I'm really close to. I'm praying for the different staff here. I'm, uh, and then I'm praying for the church and the people inside the church and the different things that are going on uh, in their lives. And then I'm praying for, I, I go out from that, I'm praying for our city. I'm like, Jesus, our city is so far from you. There are so many people that are hurting, that are broken, that are lost. God, would you move on their hearts? I'm interceding for our, our city. And then I'm praying for our nation, our elected rulers. And it doesn't matter uh, what you think of any ruler. We're all called to pray for them, and we're all called to love them. And the only way that we're going to see them rule wisely and justly is when Jesus moves upon their hearts. So pray for those who are over us. It says that pray for your city because if your city is blessed, then you're going to be blessed. So we pray for those that are in charge because when they're blessed, we're going to be blessed as well. And it doesn't matter who they are. They were created to be a son or a daughter of the living God and we want that for every single person regardless of what their policies might be. And then uh, I'm praying for uh, the nations. And I'm praying for our missionaries. I'm praying for Abraham and the Babors. Uh, I'm praying for the uh, Varicans in Latin America. And I'm saying, God, would you move in their hearts? Would you be provision for them? And I'm just calling on God to come and to move in all of these different places. And this is all a little journal I have. And I don't, I'm not just tied to the journal, but it certainly does guide me through it. And then the Holy Spirit will also speak things to me that I'm supposed to be praying for as well or bring things to remembrance for me. And then after I'm done and I've made all of my requests to God, then I have a time to listen. And I think this is such a rich part of prayer that is so often missed. Usually what we do is we treat it like a, a phone call. Like, all right, hey, I need this and this and this from the store and I need you to pick up some vanilla and some milk and some eggs. All right, bye. And we just hang up. We never allow time for God to respond to us. And so after I'm done making my requests known to God, I take a moment or I say, God, now you know what's on my heart. God, would you speak to me what's on your heart? God, if there's something that you need to address with me, if there's something that you want me to do, I'm just going to be still and quiet now and I'm going to listen for you. And I keep the worship music going and that's really helpful in this time. And uh, Sometimes it's, you just sit, sit there for a while and you don't really hear God speak anything to you and that's okay. But you're creating that space where he can speak to you. And sometimes he will speak a lot of things to you. Sometimes it's not comfortable to have that quiet space for God to begin to speak to you. But it's always powerful and it always brings a blessing. Sometimes I have questions for decisions that I have to make. And in that time, I, will, I have my journal and I'll write out the question and I'll say, God, what am I going to do with this? I remember... Um, I go back to the Portage campus when Anna and I were trying to decide how much God had called us to give. And I asked, I asked God, I said, God, how much do you want me to give to this? And he spoke a number back. I was like, I, I'm going to ask you again tomorrow because I must have been wrong. And uh, <laughs> that's just my own imagination. But there are different things. When I'm trying to make a decision, uh, where daily there are questions that I ask God uh, that are written down in my journal. And sometimes he answers them and sometimes I have to keep asking them for a while. But I'm always creating that space for God to speak to me and then meditate on him and who he is. And this is a time I pull out my Bible too, and I encourage you. In this listening time, um, this is a great time to read two or three chapters in your Bible. 
Because you've been praying, you've been connecting with God, you've been focusing in on Him, and now you're waiting for Him to listen and speak to you. Uh, the God who we're praying to is the God who wrote the scriptures that we're reading. So it's a great way to hear from Him is just to read His Bible. And it's a great way to receive from Him. I, I've read things a hundred times, and God will speak something new to me in that hundredth time that I'm reading it. And a lot of times it's because of the fact that I have so many other distractions that are clouding my ability to hear from Jesus what he's trying to speak to me. So this is a great time to just begin to read your scripture and meditate on what it is that he's speaking to you. On this model, it's so simple. I mean, absolutely anybody can follow this. If you've been a Christian for one minute or if you've been a Christian for a hundred years, this is a way that you can pray and it'll make it that 30 minutes will fly by. I never am able to pray for just 30 minutes anymore because it just makes it too easy. I'll worship for about a half hour and then I'll move in my time of petitioning God and then I want to spend some time just listening to him and being in his presence. You could pray for hour, hour and a half, two, I bet you could even pray for two hours once you get the hang of this very easily following this prayer model. And it'll go from being a discipline in your life to a delight for you. After 21 days of committing to seeking God and when you begin to encounter him, oh man, there's nothing that's like it. But what can happen sometimes is it gets to be like a relation, any other relationship. Uh, my wife, when we were first dating, I would have woke up at 4 a.m. to be able to go see her. It's like, oh, I'd do anything. Or I would have stayed up till 2 a.m. talking on the phone, just, are you still there? Yeah, hey. And, you know, doing that stuff. Because just, I, could, I just wanted to be in her presence. I wanted to encounter her. And then you've been married for a while, and they come home a little bit late from work, and you pretend like you're asleep. <laughs> like, I just want to sleep. <laughs> She's looking at me because she knows that I do that. <laughs> It can get easy to just take it for granted and not want to continue to pursue that relationship in the same way. But I encourage you, every time you make a time in your life to encounter Jesus, you will be blessed by that. Because there's a reward for seeking after him. And that reward is him. He said, when you seek me, you will find me. And if you will commit yourself to seeking after Jesus for these next 21 days through prayer, you will be amazed at the ways that you encounter him and his presence in your life. And then, uh, this is the other discipline, fasting. Uh, this is the one that, for a lot of us, is even harder. It's completely countercultural for us. Uh, we always just want to eat more and enjoy food and, and different things. But if we want to really hear the voice of God speak to us, if we want to uh, clear the room, so to speak, so that we can hear what God's speaking to us, nothing will do that better for you than fasting. And I'd encourage you, for these 21 days, Find some sort of a fast to do. And there's different types of fast. Uh, some people, you might want to do a water fast. Um, some of you, you'll say, I'm going to do, uh, or I'm going to cut out meats, or maybe it's you're cutting out desserts. Some people might do a partial fast where you say, I'm just going to drink water from, you know, when I wake up to lunch or to 3 p.m. or something like that. Some of you, you might do uh, a media fast where you're going to cut out all forms of media. Uh, whatever it is, find something so that you can silence the competing voices in your life so that you can hear Jesus speak to you. If all you're doing is just praying but not clearing out the other voices, then you're not going to receive as much. It's not that God's doing any less, but your ability to hear him will be clouded by everything else that's going on in our life. So taking a time to deny some of our desires for other things will be very rich for you and you will encounter Jesus in ways that you've never done before. So um, this is what I tell you to do is just pick a fast. Whatever one it is. And if you've never fasted before, uh, I wouldn't start out with a 21-day water fast, right? Because that's not going to go well for you. 
It's like going to the gym. Again, uh, that first day you go and you see someone that's throwing down 500 pounds, you're like, oh yeah, I can do that. Like, I want to be like them. And you get the 500 pounds and you get off the bar and it crushes your chest. And uh, you never do anything again. You got to understand that we work our way into some of these disciplines. So maybe for you it is. You pick, hey, maybe one day a week I'll water fast. Maybe I'm going to do a a Daniel fast where it's fruits and vegetables. Maybe I'm going to cut out all media. Whatever it is, but find something that you can do and really commit to it so that you can silence some voices in your life and hear Jesus. And these are some reasons why we fast that we find in Scripture. is uh, repentance. When David sinned, it says that, you know, we had... Um, you know, he got a married woman pregnant and then killed her husband to try to cover it all up. And then when he was called out on that, he was broken before the Lord and he fasted as a sign of repentance. And what he was doing was saying, these desires that I have in my life have led me to great sin. I've allowed these voices from these desires to become so powerful in my life that I'm willing to do really horrible things. So I need to get these voices under control. And I'm going to make my flesh have to come into submission so that I can say yes to the voice of Jesus and to the desires that Jesus is putting inside of my heart. So if you're going through a sin issue, maybe one of the things that you want to fast for is repentance. Say, God, I've been struggling with this, so now I'm going to silence all of these voices and focus on you so that your desire will be what's loudest in my life and your desire is going to be the desires that I then follow. Another reason is for strength. Jesus fasted for 40 days in the desert. And the reason that he did that was because he knew he was about to go on, undergo a period of temptation. And the only way that he was going to be able to withstand the temptation of Satan was if he had found his source of strength in his Father. None of us are going to be able to have the power to withstand temptation in our lives. We are not strong enough. It takes the power of God inside of us to allow us to be able to resist temptation and then be able to overcome that. So for you, if you need some strength in your life, then fasting is a great way that you can build strength. As you say, I'm not going to rely upon the physical for my strength, but I'm going to rely upon God himself to be the one who is my source of life and my source of strength. Another reason to fast is for answers. Daniel Uh, In chapter 10 of his book, he had a vision and he didn't understand it, so he began to pray and to fast for 21 days, seeking an answer from God. He wanted to be able to hear clearly what it was that God was trying to speak to him through this vision. And maybe you're trying to make a decision right now. You need wisdom. You need an answer to something. Then fasting will silence the other voices so that you can hear what it is that God is calling you to. Uh, Fasting is also a sign of mourning. In Matthew chapter 9, verses 14 through 15, It says, Then the disciples of John came to him, being Jesus, saying, Why do we and the Pharisees fast, but your disciples do not fast? And Jesus said to them, Can the wedding guests mourn as long as the bridegroom is with them? The days will come when the bridegroom is taken away from them, and then they will fast. What Jesus is saying is that uh, part of fasting is this mourning because we want the presence of Jesus. Now, we encounter Jesus absolutely. The Holy Spirit lives and dwells in us. But what we want as believers is the fullness of God's kingdom to come. Because we look at the world that's around us and how hurt and how broken it is, and we say, Jesus, we need you, our king, to come back, to reign and to rule. Every time that you're going through a period of grief because of the loss of someone, what you're doing is recognizing that what's happening is not as it should be. So Jesus, I long for you. We need you to come back. 
We need you to come and to reign and rule as a king who has put away sin and death and hurt and heartache and all suffering forever. Anytime that you're going through, I mean, we encounter hundreds of situations every day. Just look around the world and every time you see the hurt and the brokenness that's going on all around the world, we look at it and it causes our hearts to mourn because we know it's not as it should be. And it's a way of saying, Jesus, we want you. My heart is for you. Would you come? It's for intimacy. Uh, when you seek God, you will find him. He's that reward. Uh, it's like with my wife, Anna. She's the person I'm closest to in this whole world. But there's a lot of things that compete for my time and my affection. Uh, having kids, it turns out, that's something that can have a negative effect on your marriage and your relationship. Because they want all of your time and all of your attention. And you don't have the time to spend with your spouse like you once used to have. And so what we have to do is if we want to continue to have intimacy in our relationship with each other is we have to carve out time where it's just us, where I'm just focused on her and she's focused on me and on our marriage together. That's the way life is for us. God has called you to do a lot of things. And the work of the ministry that God has called you to can become so busy that you don't even have an intimate relationship with the one who's called you to these things anymore. And when you're fasting, what you're doing is you're stirring up that intimacy and just reminding yourself of, no, Jesus, you're the one this is all about. You are my great desire. You are the one who is my first love. You are the one that I'm seeking after more than anything else. And that time of prayer and of fasting will build intimacy in your relationship with Jesus. And then lastly, obedience. Matthew 6, 16 through 18 says, And when you fast, do not look gloomy like the hypocrites, for they disfigure their faces, that their fasting may be seen by others. I've done that a few times. Oh, I'm so hungry. Why? Oh, I'm fasting. <laughs> Truly I say to you that they have received their reward. And it wasn't much of a reward. But when you fast, anoint your head and wash your face, that your fasting may not be seen by others, but by your Father who is in secret. And your Father who sees in secret will reward you. Jesus is saying, when you fast. He doesn't say, if you fast, or pretty please fast. He speaks to us with the assumption that fasting is a part of our life, and it's a part of obedience to what God has called us to. If you're here and you've never fasted before, and it seems absolutely crazy to you, and it's nonsense, and you don't understand why anybody would do this, I'd encourage you just to be obedient. There's a million things that I tell my kids for their own good, their own safety and protection. I'm like, why, Dad? And I, like, well, and I try to explain it to them. They're like, what? And I'm like, it's, it's over your head, honestly, but please just trust me in this one. I don't want you to die. I don't want you to be disfigured or maimed. Just trust me on this one. Be obedient to what I'm calling you to. And there are some things that will only ever make sense to you when you're obedient to it. You will never understand why God's called you to do this until you step into doing it. And it's the same with fasting. If you will commit for 21 days to seek after God through prayer and through fasting, Filled with faith that you will receive a reward for doing this, that you will know God more as you do this, you will be amazed at how your life has changed and how your relationship with Jesus has changed 21 days from now on February 5th when we conclude our fast together. And you will have gone from having this be a discipline in your life that you're begrudgingly doing out of obedience to what God's called you to, to finding a true delight in this habit that you have formed. And it will be something that lifelong shapes you and you will continue for a lifetime to receive the reward of this. Not just that, but that your family, the generation that comes after you, they will receive a reward for your faithfulness to seeking after God. And so here's what I want you to do. Make a list. 
as you enter into this fast beginning today, what are you seeking God for? Hopefully number one on that list is you need God's presence. You want to know him more. That's the first thing. That's the greatest reward that any of us can receive. And then what are the other things you need God to do? Do you, do you need him to strengthen you to overcome something? Do you need him to bring healing to you in some area? Do you need wisdom for a decision that you're having to make? Do you need God to move in a relationship that you have? Do you need purpose and direction from him? Do you just need to know more of his goodness? Do you need to overcome some sins, uh, sins that you've been struggling with in your life? What is it that you're seeking after God for? Write those things down and daily make that a part of your time of asking before the Lord. And I encourage you, here's some prayer points for us as a church. I mean, be praying for us. And the things I'm asking you to pray for us for is number one, hunger. Like I talked about last week, this year I want us to really become a church that is hungry for the presence of God. We want to know Jesus. We want to pursue him. We want to know God like never before. We're hungry for him. And we want an increase. We want an increase of God's presence. We prayed for that last year, and there has been an increase of the presence of the Lord. And I am so grateful for that. That's the thing that I am most proud about of Radiant Church in this last year is that as we sought God for more of his presence, we have found it. Continue to pray for that because it's God's presence that has the power and the ability to change someone's life. I'd be praying for more people. We were praying for that last year. Our city has tens of thousands of people who are far from Jesus in it. And that's unacceptable. Be praying that God would continue to bring more people into Radiant Church, into other churches too, so that they would find the life that is found only in Jesus. And God's answered that. We have grown over the last year, and I'm so grateful for that. And be praying for provision, that God would continue to give us uh, all the, the people that we need to continue to serve in the church, to expand our mission. Pray that God would continue to bring us an increase of finances, so that we can continue to do more and more things. And then also be praying for a building. I'm so grateful for the Ray Theater and them opening their doors to us for all of these last four years, but it's time for us to get our own home. And we've been praying for that this whole last year, and I know you haven't seen it, it doesn't look like there's been a lot that's been happening in regards to that, but stuff is happening. Uh, and your prayers are being answered. And uh, I think that we're at a, a critical point now, honestly. We need to continue to pray that the Lord would provide us with the building and the provision for it. And then hopefully one of these days soon I'll be like, hey, guess what? Look what we're doing but continue to pray for a building for us. And uh, then commit to fast. Have your prayer list and then commit to fast. Pick your fast and, and power through that thing. And those first few days of it, they're pretty rough, especially if you're trying to break that sugar addiction. Oh my goodness, that is a rough one. I do not like going without sugar, but I'm going to. I was trying to cram last night getting all the lifesavers in me that I could. <laughs> that was probably a really bad idea. But I was just going through like covered drawers like I need some sugar. Like I got to get, you know, loaded up before the fast. But commit to that, to silencing out the other voices in your life. And then really extend your faith for these next 21 days that you are going to encounter God. That as you seek him, there is going to be a reward for it. Psalm 27, 8 says this. This is David speaking. He says, you have said, seek my face. And my heart says to you, your face, Lord, do I seek. Right now, the Holy Spirit inside of your heart is speaking to you, telling you to seek after the face of God. And it's time for us to respond and say, God, I'm going to seek after you.
I'm going to point my life towards you. The inclination of my heart, the direction of my life is going to be pursuing you in your presence. I'm committing myself to this because I know even if I don't understand how, I don't know what it's going to look like, but by faith, I believe that when I seek you, I'm going to find you. When I knock on that door, it's going to be opened. Now when I ask, I'm going to receive because you're the God who rewards those who seek after you. Would you pray with me this morning? Father, we're so grateful for your presence. You're so faithful that you always come. You're always speaking to us. You're always pursuing us. You're always calling us to you. You didn't come to bring judgment and condemnation, but you came to bring us life. Father, I pray that would be something that just wells up inside of us more than we can contain your life. God, that we would be a people who are seeking after you for that life that you can give us. God, we've tried living other ways and we've found how, how just messed up that makes us and what it leads to. And so God, we want the life that you have for it. We want more of that life inside of us. Jesus, we want more of you. And as we're committing ourselves to seeking after you, we pray that you would come and that you would honor this promise that you've made to us. God, you said that you delight in going above and beyond what we can even think or imagine to ask for. So even as we're making these, uh, these lists of things and uh, things are being moved upon in our hearts to seek after you for God, we ask that you would just blow us away in the ways that you answer this and the way that we find your presence and the love that's stirred up inside of our hearts for you. God, in the way that you move in our families and the lives of our friends and those who are far from you, God, we ask that you would come and that you would bring healing inside of our bodies. God, that you would break addictions, that you would break bondages that are over us. Jesus, we pray that you would come and that you would fill us with hope. God, that you would come and that you would cause unity to exist amongst us like never before. That, Lord, we would be filled with peace, that we would be filled with wisdom. God, that we would be filled with faith and confidence in pursuing after you and in taking steps to go after the things that you've called us to. And we start out this morning by repenting. Saying, God, I haven't lived the way that you've called me to. But that changes now. Forgive me. Fill me with your love and with your power so that I can live in a new way, Jesus. God, as we hear you speak to us over these next 21 days, would you fill us with strength to be obedient to the things that you're speaking to us? We don't just want to be those who hear. We want to be those who hear and then do. You're our first love, Father. 21 days, more than anything else, a people who love you more fully and who are more broken by your presence in our lives than we've ever been before. In the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. 
I'm gonna call my prayer partners forward. They're gonna be right in this middle section here. If there's anything that we can pray for you about, whether you need wisdom, provision, maybe you've made a decision that you want to follow after Jesus or know more, maybe you need someone to agree with you in prayer for something or prayer for healing in your body, we would love to pray with you as we see God move miraculously every single week in response to the prayers of his people. If not, uh, as you go, um, grab some coffee, make some friends out there, and this week, as we start this fast today, really put the time to figure out what it is that you're going to do for your fast and what it is that you're going to be praying for We'll see you next week as we continue to learn how to seek after Jesus together. Thanks so much and God bless.